All right, good evening, everybody. Tonight we're going to be in Exodus 30 and 31. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, we'll try to get through both chapters tonight. And we'll pray and get started. Lord, we thank you for uh, the worship time, the singing that we've had, the kids being taken care of and taught your word. Um, uh, we thank you that we're able to study your word tonight. And we pray that we'd receive everything you have for us individually. We pray that your Holy Spirit would um, just pinpoint and, and speak directly to us and exactly what we need uh, for tonight and for this week um, to grow us, to make us more mature, um, to even more steadfast than we have been. And um, that's our heart. We just want to draw close to you tonight and be as close to you as possible. As we see the days uh, getting stranger every, every moment, um, we look up for our redemption draws near. We're excited, but we want to we want to go out uh, with a bang. You know, we want to really uh, impact. And so, um, help us to learn everything we have or need tonight to to do that. To represent you properly. To be bold, um, on fire, full of your love, your grace, your mercy. I love that line tonight that we sing of your mercy after we've received it. That's going to be our song. And the world needs to know that. And so, Lord, help us to just get geared up tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight we start with the altar of incense as we've been going through the tabernacle and the construction of it. And on Sunday, of course, we're doing the temple. And uh, The altar of incense represents the prayers being offered up and um, to the Lord. There's going to be this constant smoke filling the chamber, filling the, the tent itself. Um, and then it would uh, eventually and, and, and sometimes waft outside that front curtain, you know. Um, and they would see that and, and that experience, that smell. It should permeate, you know. It should absolutely permeate. When you, when you walk in uh, to the temple itself or the tabernacle itself, it should just not overwhelm you, but it'll be just such an obvious, um, beautiful fragrance to you. Uh, you, you. You just know by it that you're in the presence of the Lord. That's what the idea was behind this. And that's what the idea is behind prayer for us. Um, it should, should be an, an obvious, natural thing for us to do, to pray to the Lord, to talk to him. Um, and, and when we do, we should have that natural response that comes from Spending time with the, the Lord, it brings us peace. It gives us comfort. Um, it's, it's, it's the only place we can get that. It's, it should be very familiar to us, and, uh, but very different from everything else in our lives. And I, and I say that because that's what he's going to, he's actually going to prescribe a specific formula for this incense that cannot be made anywhere else. It's illegal to make this formula of incense, because they're going to mix certain things together, to use it anywhere else in the world except right here. So when they would walk into this place, into the tabernacle, they would, they would smell that incense and say, ah, you know, ah, that's the place, that's the thing. You shall make an altar to burn incense on. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length and a cubit its width. It shall be square. And two cubits shall be its height. Its horns shall be of one piece with it. And you shall overlay its top, its sides all around, and its horns with pure gold. And you shall make for it a molding of gold all around. 
Two rings of gold you shall make for it, under the molding on both of its sides. You shall place them on its two sides, and they shall be holders for the poles which to bear it, with which to bear it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, and you shall put it before the veil that is before the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with you. He puts that at the end there. That's where I meet with you. So you get the idea that the ark is on that side, then the curtain, then the altar of incense is here, and then the, uh, the lamp is over here, and the showbread is over here. And so this is where they would stand, and they would offer up this incense and prayer after they've taken care of uh, the oil for the lamp. After they've taken and put up the new showbread, they would come in and put more incense on there and let that be, and then offer up the prayers for the, for the folks, for the people. And God says, that's where I'm going to meet you. You're literally 10 to 18 inches away from God at that point. And it's all overlaid with gold, designed for deity, designed to show that this is the Lord's place. And and you can only do this here. You can't do it on a bronze altar. You can't do it on a a brass one, a silver one. None of the other metals will will do. It's got to be gold. It's got to be the best. It's got to be perfect. And so he describes this little box where they're going to put this incense on and um, what they're going to do with it. The, the incense represents prayers, but, um, and, and I'll give you scriptures for that so we understand that, that throughout scripture, that's what that means. Uh, it isn't just that God can smell that um, and likes, you know, burning herbs, you know, which is all incense is. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's symbolic. Everything's symbolic in the tabernacle. Everything's symbolic in the, in the temple, um, it's all designed to show Christ and what he does for us as, his high, as, as our high priest, that he ever lives to make intercession for the saints. He's always praying. And so you see that smoke coming up. In Psalm 141, verse 20, let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And people like visuals. We like that. We need that. We need visualization. And so as you see your, your smoke rising up, you know, it, it, I don't know anybody that doesn't like looking at a fire outside, that doesn't enjoy, well, an intentional fire, <laughs> sitting by a beautiful fire, and it's mesmerizing. I don't know what it is about us as people. We can just sit there, and I don't know what part you look at. I, I like to look at the glow. And then when the wind blows, you can see it just change colors and just, I just, not colors, but, you know, brightness and intensity. And you, oh man, it's just, and then the smoke going up, which always seems to go into my face no matter where I sit around the circle. That's just my lot in life. That's, I'll take it, whatever. I just love it. And you almost, not entranced, I don't want to use any weird words, but it's so relaxing. It is so, I don't know, something about it just, just, brings you to a place of peace, uh, just relaxing around this fire. We've got no other things going on. Your mind is focused on one thing. That's the idea, is you'll have this glow happening, and you'll have this smoke rising up, and you can see the smoke rising up, and the, the priest would be understanding in his heart that as I'm praying, it isn't just staying in the room. My prayers are rising up, just like this incense smoke is rising up. It's filling the room. It's filling this beautiful mock throne room where God is sitting with me, so are my prayers being lifted up and filling the throne room of God. And I don't know that I remember that all the time when I pray. 
Sometimes I, I, and I would never say this out loud, but I treat it like it's falling on deaf ears. Like it's just going out into the air and nobody heard it but me. And it's just simply not true. Every single one of our prayers is heard by God. Now, he does warn us, don't let your prayers be hindered, especially you guys who are having problems with your wife and you won't get right with her. Your prayers get hindered. But if you're doing your best and you're trying to be right with her, your prayer, it's not that he's going like this. He hears them. He's saying, I'm not so sure I'm going to do anything about what you're asking about until you get the basics down is the idea. Let's work on the basics. Let's work on the things at hand. But all the other times, all the other moments, my prayer is heard by God. It fills his throne room. It's, not, it's really not as private as we think it is. I mean, it's private between us and God, but there's about a bazillion angels up there all listening in too. Just like when you get saved, you thought it was that quiet moment with the Lord where you ask Jesus into your heart. But what's going on in heaven is they're all rejoicing when they hear you pray that, which is a little disconcerting considering they're there for all the other events in my life as well. You know, our prayers fill the throne room of God. And I want to be really careful how I pray then, knowing that there's an audience. There really is someone on the other end of the line, and it's a, it's a speaker, you know. It's a speakerphone. Who, who do we have with us this morning, John? <laughs> we need to go around the room and find out who all's in the room here before I start talking about somebody. Maybe we would say at a business conference or something, hopefully you don't, but I always wonder, what if I kept quiet and didn't say I was there? You know, that JD, he's a dirty, rotten, you know. Oh, I'm here, Bob, I'm here. Oh, hey, JD, <laughs> you know. Well, when I pray, although God's got broad shoulders and he can hear my prayer and take anything I can throw at him, I, I don't know. I want to temper my prayer to sound like it, well, it's respectful and that it, it belongs in his throne room, you know. Well, that's the idea. As these priests would offer up their prayers, the smoke would help them, I believe, visually understand that what they're praying is being heard. You think about Zacharias when he was praying in the temple, it was his turn, and got the message from the angel telling him that John, he was going to have a son named John. You know how surprised he was um, to actually get some, <laughs> to get someone some feedback from the other side. It's like... You don't get answers when you do this. You just kind of offer them up and you walk out of the room. And when you hear a voice coming back at you, that, that must have been quite a, a, a moment for him. I, I'd be quiet too after that. Anyway, our prayers are heard. Your prayers are heard. Um, and if they're heard, he's going to answer them according to his will. And I, that's encouraging to me. None, none of my prayers are dumb. Um, they may sound that way to me, but to God, I heard it, and, and he interprets it. I, I know what you meant by that, and I, that's I honestly, I believe, what the Holy Spirit does for us. You know, we'll pray, and we'll pray the best we can about the situation. That's why sometimes when you pray in the Spirit, it's just groanings that can't be uttered. It's just, or the Holy Spirit has to absolutely take over completely, and you pray in tongues to the Lord. And you'd even know, it bypasses your intellect. It goes straight from the Holy Spirit, straight to God, and it, great. Thank you. I didn't know what to pray. I knew I needed to pray, but it's like, oh, 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 oh. 
I mean, ugh. And God's like, yeah, I know. I know. You know. Our prayers are heard. Revelation 5, 7 and 8, verses 7 and 8. It says, Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne, that be Jesus. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, even in heaven, there they are, which are the prayers of the saints. Interesting, you know. I mean, that brings a lot of questions to my mind, but one of them is, so you're collecting them. I mean, obviously. And, and the idea of throwing them on the fire at this time, for this season, activates them. And I don't want to go too far and get weird. I don't, I, I don't have an insight into what's going on in heaven. But based off of what's said here, they've got bowls full of these prayers of the saints. And they're at this time going to use them and pour them. And what that means is, whatever the prayers were, they're offered up to the Lord at this time or their whatever. I don't know how to word it. I don't have the right verbiage for this. But what follows Revelation 5, 7, and 8, I think is a direct result of those prayers. At one point in the book of Revelation, you got the saints, the martyrs that are underneath the throne. They said, how much longer we got to wait until we're avenged? That's a, you know, paraphrase. And he says, not, not much longer. Give them their white robes kind of thing. That was his answer to them. So the prayers that I offer up, that like, God, how come I'm, you know, why am I being persecuted this way? How, how can they do that to the kids over there? Why is that happening in that country over there? And, oh, God, help those people in that area or, or myself. And we at times feel like maybe God isn't answering or hearing. Maybe this is what's happening. We forget we're in a, well, we don't forget. We're in, we in an age of grace right now. Uh, Jesus quoted that scripture, and I, and I wish I'd looked it up. It's just coming to my mind right now, and I don't have it offhand, but he, 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 he prays today this is, this is fulfilled in your hearing, but he stopped at a comma when he was reading in the, uh, to, when he was reading in the, in the synagogue. That he, they gave him the book, Isaiah, am I close? Yeah. And, and he read halfway through and stopped at a comma and said, today this is fulfilled. And the very next thing after that comma is about wrath and judgment and all these things because it's not time for the second half of this to be fulfilled. It's the first half time for this to be fulfilled. There's two appearings of Christ. The first one is for grace. And we're still in that moment. And until we get to Revelation chapter 19, when Jesus returns on his horse and with us with us, the saints with him, that's when the second half gets fulfilled of that promise. Then that's when wrath is. And so when I'm praying or we're praying for wrath or judgment or get them, God, you know, beat them, bust them. That's our custom. Go, God, go. You know, just get them. Those are probably being stored in some bowls. Now, I'm, I'm really going out here. I, I don't know that, but I'm, I guess I'm putting two, to, two and two together in my own mind. It's not time for that yet. There is a time for that, and it's coming. And apparently, Revelation 5, 7, and 8 is, it's time. The rapture's taking place. Revelation chapter 4, saints are in heaven. It's about to start the great tribulation period, the final seven years for Daniel, for the, for the nation of Israel, out of Daniel. 
And here comes the wrath of God over seven years. And now is the time it's happening. So we have these golden bowls full of incense. And I went way off topic. The point is to just bring it across that the incense represents prayers. And we have an example of that in Revelation 5, 7, and 8 where the golden bowls are full of incense and other prayers. But you put this together. It's interesting. Revelation chapter 8, verses 2 through 5. He changes it up a little bit. The, the incense isn't the prayers. It's mixed with the prayers. So take that for what it's worth. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God. And to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the, the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. That's the incense holder. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. And that's the beginning, you know, the trumpet judgments and so on. So um, there again, we see the prayers mixed with the saints. The prayers are, are the incense mixed with the prayers of the saints. The, the incense is the prayers of the saints and so on. Okay, I'm, you got it. That's what this is for. That's what this little, little, this little box in front of them with the little coals on it and the, and the smoke and everything, that's what that's for, to remind us that our prayers are being lifted up to God and he's hearing them. Verse 7, Aaron shall burn on it sweet incense every morning. When he tends the lamps, he shall burn incense on it. And when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense on it. A perpetual, continual, constant incense before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer strange incense on it, or a burnt offering, or a grain offering, nor shall you pour a drink offering on it. This is only for prayers, only for incense is the idea. Don't be getting mixed up and putting lambs on this or birds or doves or anything or, or drink offering. You put it out. It's not going to work. Don't do that. This is for one purpose. When I come to God in prayer, there's, it's a purpose. There's one, he doesn't want any strange fire. He doesn't want any strange incense. Nothing that's unusual. Nothing that sounds out of place. Remember, we have a holy God, a perfect God, a loving God, a gracious, merciful God, and and a God that's going to judge. Make no mistake about that. So my prayers need to line up with his character. And that is my number one prayer, is that God align my character with your character right off the bat. I don't want any strange prayers on there. I don't want you offering up to other gods, other names, other ways, other things. I, I have a specific way and a specific purpose for these prayers, and I want you to do that. It's not like it's limiting, but it is, it, it's, it, it is exclusive. It's, it's just for him, and it's just for us to him. Um, but everybody can do it. We're all, it's all available for us to do, to pray. So no strange incense on it. And Aaron shall make um, atonement upon its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. So that's that lamb they sacrifice on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and they would take some of that blood and put it on the horns. Once a year, he shall make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. I take note of that stuff. When the Bible takes the time, when God takes the time to write it to us and say, this that I've been talking about is most holy. Oh, 
I best be doing it then, you know? If it's something that my God, because that's what we prayed tonight. God, we just want to know more about you. Well, we just found out now, if you didn't know, prayer is one of the most holy things we can do. It's the most holy to him. Be encouraged to pray. And often, Paul says he prays without ceasing, you know? When someone comes up to me for advice or, or asks for some scripture or something, I'm praying instant because I'm a man and, and I don't know answers. And all I can do is take you to what God's word says or what he, by his Holy Spirit, wants to say. And so I'm instantly praying, oh, God, help. Please don't let me be stupid right now. Please fill me with whatever it is you have for this person. Bring a scripture to my mind. Give me wisdom. Give me whatever you have, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, something. And I'm praying under my breath. I don't say it out loud. I don't look at you and, you know, start doing that. That'd be weird. But know that's happening. And so when he, is he even listening to me? And I'm like this. That's what I'm doing. Oh, God, help. I'm dumb. You know, just so you know. But to pray continually like Paul did, the line was never off. He never hung up. There was never a time when he wasn't in constant fellowship with the Lord. What a, what a great understanding he had of what was most holy, you know. Do this, he says, do this. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, When you take the census of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord. So we're switching gears. Incense is over. Now we're talking about a ransom money. Make sure they do that when you number them. That no plague among them when you number them. This is, what, uh, this is what everyone among those who are numbered shall give. Half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. A shekel is 20 garas. The half shekel shall be an offering to the Lord. Everyone including or included among those who are numbered from 20 years old and above shall give an offering to the Lord. The rich shall not give more. The poor shall not give less than half a shekel when you give an offering to the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. And you shall take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of meeting that it may be a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. Again, it's a reminder. It's symbolic. This isn't them trying to reach into the pockets of the nation of Israel. This isn't how they got their maintenance fee out of them on the tabernacle. They'd be reminded that you're counted not for the purposes like David did at times and other kings did them when they got punished for counting. This is different. You're counted among my people. I count you among my children. You're mine. And you give this half shekel, no matter who you are. Naked you came into this world, naked you'll leave, is the idea. Everybody's equal in the sight of the, of the Lord. Rich or poor, whatever, male or female, everybody pays the half shekel, gives the half shekel, to symbolize and to show the redemption, the ransom that has to be paid for each person. And that's a physical reminder. Just like we see the smoke rising up, reminds me that my prayers are heard. Just as I hand this half shekel in and it drops in with everybody else's, I'm good. I'm with the Lord. I'm, I'm redeemed. I'm bought. I'm paid for. It was just a symbolic thing that he counts me among his people. Some of the things he does... 
you kind of wonder, well, if he's a God that has a cattle on a thousand hills and he doesn't need any money from us, he sure does get a lot of money from us. I don't understand this, you know. Well, it's for us. It's always been about us. It's always been about us understanding. The tithe that we talk about, the 10% that's in the law, that's just, it's symbolic. He absolutely does not need our 10th. He doesn't need it at all. He never has. He is, it's, I mean, from his perspective, it's got to be just silly how hard we hold on to these minerals that we've fashioned into a pressed coin or whatever, a paper dollar or whatever it looks like, and we can't give it up. He's like, you know, I made every atom and I'm holding it together in my hand. And if I let go, all that that you're holding on to so strongly is going to evaporate, you know. It's for us. This temple, the offering, the leaving of the corners of your field so that the poor can glean, it's all for us. The tithe, the tenth, all that. So there's a constant reminder. There's a constant fellowship. I know that the 100% came from you, God. The fact that I'm giving the 10% back to you is to remind me that that 100% came from you. This shekel, that you're, this half shekel that I'm giving and that my daughters are giving and my sons are giving and everybody that's counted 20 years and older, that's just a reminder to know that I've been ransomed. Interesting verses for ransom. Hosea chapter 13, verse 14. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. It's worth half a shekel to remind myself of that, that I've been ransomed from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. I like it when my God talks like that. You know, I'm going to, oh, when I get to death, I mean, there's no mercy. When it says he conquered death at the cross, and without pity, I'm tired of you taking my people, my children, the ones that I count so valuable, the ones I, the thoughts are as the sands of the sea. They're precious towards all these people. I'm so tired of this grave taking my people. I am just going to annihilate it at the cross and rise from the dead. Beautiful, you know? And so I love it how he, he words that. And the prophet Hosea gets to write that down. He's going to ransom them from the power of the grave. That's what that half shekel shows us. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Exclamation points. God's yelling at it. Sweet, you know. Pity is hidden from my eyes. You know, pity. Pity the fool. Matthew 20. I don't know. Yeah. Matthew 20, 27 through 28. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That little coin, that half shekel, reminds them of their Messiah. At this time, they didn't know the name Jesus, but at this time, they're looking for their Messiah, but it's Jesus. That little half shekel is what he did for us, a, a physical representation of us being purchased. Beautiful. Paul explaining to Timothy, uh, chapter 2, verse 6, who gave himself, speaking of Jesus, a ransom for all to be testified in due time. 
See, to these guys, to these Jewish guys, they understood this. They've been given this half shekel every year, all the time. Every time they're kind of doing it, constantly reminding, smoke, smoke, sacrifice, sacrifice. I mean, it is ingrained in these guys. And so when Paul begins to share this with them, honestly, the light bulb's finally coming on for a lot of these folks. He gave a ransom for many. He ransomed for all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who should, whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. All y'all, you know. It's beautiful. And Isaiah 35, 10. Our last one here. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. With everlasting joy on their heads, they shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. That's us coming back with them, the ransom, the purchased, the redeemed, however you want to word it. We come back with them, and we'll return to Zion. It's exciting, you know. So that's what this half shekel meant. It's not them trying to, but we're going to use it for the temple or tabernacle at this time, but it's meant for atonement. It's meant to remind. The bronze laver is our next subject. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, You shall also make a laver, or a a basin, you know, a wash basin, of bronze, with its base also of bronze, for washing. You shall put it between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, and you shall put water in it. Uh, For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet in the water from it. When they go into the tabernacle of meeting, or when they come near the altar to minister, to burn an offering made by fire to the Lord, they shall wash with water, lest they die. So they shall wash their hands and their feet, lest they die. And it shall be a statute forever to them, to him and to his descendants throughout their generations, that washing. Um, For the most part, the washing of water represents God's word throughout Scripture. Oil represents the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we get those, uh, you know, we mixed up a little bit. doesn't matter. I mean, be both. Be filled with the Spirit and be washed by the Word of God. But here's the Scripture for it. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 27, speaking to husbands and their wives. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So just like Christ does for the church, so are we as husbands supposed to do that for our wives, washing them with the word of God. How that looks and what that looks like in your home is up to you. Um, The more important, I think, point is this is what Christ does for us. We need to be washed with the word. Of course we're cleansed. Remember, uh, when, when Peter was getting his feet washed around the, around the table, um, and Peter was just super embarrassed, like, why didn't anybody think of this? We should have been washing feet. I mean, who dropped the ball here? <laughs> and so he looks at Jesus, and he says, Not, you shouldn't wash my feet. I should wash your feet. And says, Peter, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. He says, then, if that's the case, wash, wash me all the way. I want a full bath. He goes, no, those have been cleansed. don't need a full bath. You just need your feet washed, you know? Peter could never get it right. I, ever, he tried. He really tried. He got his heart. You know, he understood his heart. Man, if that's what it means to be a part of you, I want all. Man, you know. <laughs> no, Peter, that's not what we're doing here. Well, we're saved. We're born again. 
hopefully, and if you're not, you need to be, and we can talk about that afterwards, but we don't need to get born again every single night. Let's have an altar call and come forward every single night. No, you're saved. You've been born again. What we need is a washing of God's word. So every time we come to Bible study or every time you have your quiet time or you're reading or you're sharing with somebody else, you're washing your hands and your feet in the word of God. You're getting, it's just a constant thing. We need that. It's, it's maintenance, basically. It's something you need to do, you know. Everybody's born and they get their little bath sometime or another. They get their first bath. Every little baby gets that. But you need to keep doing that. There's a, there's a constant decay that's taking place in my life. There's skin cells that need to be sloughed off. You know? I need to use soap. I need to get cleaned up. I need to have that washing. Likewise, with the Word of God, that constant input, that constant washing keeps me and helps me. Because my default is to decay spiritually. If I stop reading God's Word, if I stop that prayer, if I stop coming to church and fellowshipping with other believers, my default then is to decay. I fall into decay. These are things we have to do. These are things we need to do to stay close and to stay tight, to stay frosty, you know, with God. Stay in his word. I don't know how many times I've read some of these passages. I've taught through it five times probably, maybe four times. I think I'm on my fifth time through. But I've read it more times than that, because every time I teach a chapter, I read it five to ten times through. So imagine how many times I, and it's, sometimes I read stuff, I'm like, how did I miss that? How could I have missed that? I've read that passage, you know, 20, 30 times in my life, just for teaching. And it's like, it's brand new to me. Okay, well, I mean, we know that God's word is deep and wide. There's so much to mine out of it. You've got to think of it like a mine. Just keep going. You know, Keep digging until you find that diamond or that gold or whatever. Anyway, that's what this water's for. You need to show up and wash. You need to show up and wash before you come close to me. Do that. 22, verse 22. Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Also, take for yourself quality spices. Good stuff. 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels worth, that's how much it would weigh, 250 shekels of uh, sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of uh, cassia, I think, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hin of olive oil. Then you mix all that up. It's like a special formula. Like a perfume, he says. And you shall make it from these holy anointing I'm sorry, you shall make from these a holy anointing oil, an ointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer, and it is an art. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting and the ark of the testimony, the table and all its utensils, the lampstand and its utensils, and the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the laver and its base. You shall consecrate them, that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them, that they may minister to me as priests. So they get this special stuff too. And you shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on man's flesh, nor shall you make any other like it according to its composition. 
It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it, or whoever puts any of it on an outsider, shall be cut off from his people. Wow. Some special stuff. You know? What's this all about? Well, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus, right? And then Jesus, he says, baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. There's a, there's a uniqueness to that. You can't have any other mixture. That doesn't just get... You remember the guy um, on the island? Boy, I've just my brain is fried today. The guy, right? That's pastor lingo. Um, I should know the guy. Simon, I think it was. Simon the sorcerer, right? And he saw them laying hands and people receiving the Holy Spirit. He says, hey, do that to me so that I can do that too. And he said, oh, Peter says, no, 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 man. This isn't something that just gets handed out to anybody. This is something that's special. This is so, and to think you could, and they wanted to pay for it. You can't buy this. And I think that's what he's getting at here is this is something that's beyond uh, contraband. You can't, there's no black market for this mixture. If I smell that smell on anything other, if I see that oil on anything other than what's God's and belongs to him, you're, I mean, you're, you're, you're done. You can't do it. It's specific for me. And I bet this all complimented itself, you know? You know, you can get kind of overwhelmed with scents and smells sometimes. We live in kind of a world like that. And you, you really don't want to mix, like, fruit and patchouli or something like that. You know, it's just a weird marijuana orange smell or something, you know. Um, sorry if you wear patchouli, but it, it, no, no way around it. You smell like pot. Um, um, I always look at you funny when you're like, you know, that person needs Jesus. No, I'm kidding. But some smells just don't go together. But I'm imagining, you know, this anointing oil and then this incense going up and all the scents. I bet it just, I bet it was amazing, you know. I think about, this is off topic, but it's been a lot of that tonight. Um, but like music, you've got, you've got an octave and, and, and you've got the same notes. And yet people can bring these things together, good people, smart people, people that have been gifted by God, can compose and pull these notes together. I mean, I could play the same notes. It would not go well together at all. But they can, you know. And they pull that all together. And I just, I would imagine some of these smells and, 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 and all would just perfectly complement themselves, you know. Just go together. It's like, oh, that's right, you know. Ooh. So you'd walk into this beautiful temple, the tabernacle, depending on what season we're in as far as the nation of Israel goes, history-wise. You walk in and you smell this smell. It's like, man, only here. And I bet it was such a thing that people would want to get close and you know, by the white curtain at this time or, or wherever. And just, oh, yeah, you know. I love that. I bet it just drew people. I think that's that's a guess, but that's my that's my guess. Um, Thirty-four, and the Lord said to Moses, "Take sweet spices, um, st- um, st- stacked, staked, I don't know, and anka and galbanum, and pure frankincense with these sweet spices. There shall be an equal amount of each." So that's your ratio. doesn't matter how much you make. Just make sure it's equal. You shall make of these an incense, a compound, according to the art of the perfumer, salted, pure, and holy. Hmm. 
And you shall beat some of it very fine and put some of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of meeting where I will meet you. It shall be most holy to you. But as for incense, which you shall make, you shall not make for any for yourselves according to its composition. It shall be to you holy for the Lord. Whoever makes any like it to smell it, he shall be cut off from his people. This is just meant for me. So don't be praying Anybody else? Only to God. I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but when we pray, we pray together, but not to each other, dead or alive. This incense is meant for God only. This smoke rises to him only. It's not for anybody else to smell, okay? And so we don't pray to dead people to pray for us. You pray directly to the Lord. Jesus went through a whole lot of trouble for us to have access to God, to be the mediator between God and man. We don't need any other mediators. We don't need any other paths. We don't need reinforcements. Man, we can go directly to the throne room of grace in time of need anytime. And Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us and to think that I might need extra help. That incense that my prayers are meant for Jesus or for God, and they know who I'm talking to when I do that. You know how you get mixed up? Oh, dear Father, Heavenly Jesus. You know, they know. They know. They're not going, is he talking to you? Is he talking? No, they get it. You know, they get it. They understand we're dust. (laughs) We do our best. But just them, just the whole, just God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's all meant for God. It's all meant for, for him. And he's the only one for that. And so, yeah, we're not going to get the second chapter done. That's all right. That's all right. Um, you know, if you don't know Jesus tonight, and I, I always assume that most of us do. It's a Wednesday night. But if you don't, and you're still thinking about it, and you're wondering, and you felt that tug on your heart tonight, because you'll have that. And if you are a believer and you know what this is like, please understand when you're ministering to people just like we were tonight, they're getting that tug too. It's not just you convincing them to come to Jesus. The Holy Spirit's working on them too, on the inside, and they're feeling that, that draw to God, that there's something I need. I need that. You know, I need what you have. And don't be afraid to lead them there or ask them those questions. Do you want to be with Jesus tonight? Do you want, to, want me to introduce you to him? Do you want to become his disciple and a follower of Jesus tonight? Take them there because they may be embarrassed or they may not know what to say or how to do it or whatever, but I guarantee you the, the yearning is there, the desire is there. Don't forget when you had that. They're having that too, and they just need someone sometimes to take them by the hand and take them to their Messiah. Take them to Jesus in prayer, you know. So we're going to do that tonight. If you feel that yearning or that desire in your heart and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never received him as your Lord and Savior, it's all maybe been academic or you've been to church forever and you've never actually made it personal, do that tonight. Pray with me. Jesus, we thank you for, first of all, your word. It, uh, it helps us understand you and your heart for us. Um, it draws us closer to you. It's so, it's so comforting. There's so much beauty in it. There's so much empathy. 
and caring from your side to us. And it's just, boy, do we ever, we need that. And so we thank you for what you've given us tonight. Um, Lord, for some here tonight have never called upon you to be their savior. They've never trusted in you and, and what you did on the cross and your resurrection for the payment for their sins, the ransom that needed to be paid for their sins. Tonight they want to do that. Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross for our sins, past, present, and future. We thank you that you rose from the dead, which means that your sacrifice on the cross was accepted by the Father because death couldn't hold you. You were the perfect, spotless lamb. And that that's enough. And there can never be anything added to that. It was perfect, completed once for all. And we accept that, Lord. We receive that forgiveness from you. Lord, we hate our sin. We hate our sin like you hate our sin. But we know that you have mercy and that you have grace for us. And we receive that tonight. Help us to be just as gracious and merciful with those around us. Just as you have been with us, help us to to be that to them and for them. For those that are receiving Christ as our Lord and Savior tonight, and for everybody else too, me included, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Baptize us afresh. Give us a fresh filling, Lord. As you see fit, I'm not demanding, I'm just, we want to ask. We have not because we have not asked. And so we want to ask, fill us afresh. We might be bold, on fire for you, not cold, not lukewarm, but on fire for you, Jesus. And sharing that with those around us, telling them about you and what you've done for them. That's our heart, Lord. Take our lives, Lord. You, you gave your life for us. We, we tonight want to dedicate our lives to you, give them to you every aspect of it. Nothing's hidden from you. Nothing's kept back from you. It's all yours. Do with our lives what you want to do with them. We want to be your servants. Or bless these folks as they go home tonight. Keep them safe on the roads as they travel. And um, this week, as you give us opportunities to minister, Lord, help us to recognize them as ministry opportunities. Times to serve people, to lead them to you or to help them with whatever and help us to see it and to be your hands and feet this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a good night, guys.